Welcome to this episode of Free Circle Freedoms. In this episode, we continue our journey inside visualized American government, the 1964 edition. This episode, we look at the framing and adoption of the Constitution. We will be covering two areas, the Philadelphia Convention of 1787 and the leaders of the convention. If you're listening to us here on Free Circle Freedoms, more than likely, you're a freedom-loving American and you love your country. I have a new show. It's called Dead America. You can locate it at deadamerica.website. We feel that everybody in America, they're beginning to feel left behind, forgotten, dead. We want to hear your story. Come over and participate. Get involved. Let's tell each other our stories. Let's try to fix and resolve the differences in America. We're all American. We all love America. And we all should strive to be the best that we can be. Get over to deadamerica.website and tell us your story. Adoption of the Constitution. The Philadelphia Convention of 1787. There is a tendency in some quarters to glorify the convention, which framed the Constitution as assembly of demigods. It may therefore be helpful to know the measured appraisal of one of the outstanding students of the convention, Professor Farrand. He writes, Great men there were, it is true, but the convention as a whole was composed of men such as would be appointed to a similar gathering at the present time. Professional men, businessmen, and gentlemen of leisure. It was essentially a representative body, taking possibly a somewhat higher tone of the social conditions of the time the seriousness of the crisis, and the char- character of the leaders. The delegates were all chosen by existing state legislators rather than by the direct vote of the people in each state. In general, they represented the solid conservative citizens of the nation, the plantations, merchants, shipowners, and professional groups. The great majority came from the towns or from the agricultural districts near the coast. The backcountry areas were virtually unrepresented. As a body, the convention was distinguished by the presence of a large number of men with practical experience in public affairs. Three delegates had served in the Stamp Act Congress. All but twelve had at one time or another held seats in the Continental Congress. Seven had been governors of their states. Any impression that the convention was composed of vulnerable patriarchs 
is contradicted by the vital statistics. The average age of the Founding Fathers was 43. Among the leaders, there were Madison, who was only 36 years old, Governor Morris, 35, Randolph, 34, and Hamilton, barely 30. Leaders of the Convention As is true of nearly every deliberative body, a small group was primarily responsible for what was accomplished. Two of the best-known members of the Convention, George Washington of Virginia and Benjamin Franklin of Pennsylvania, were important more for their personal influence they exerted upon their fellow delegates than for their direct contribution to the formation of the Constitution. Washington, then at the height of his fame, presided over the convention. Franklin, rounding out at the age of 81 a brilliant career as a statement, scientist, and humanitarian, employed his talent for conciliation whenever friction arose. The outstanding member of the convention was the scholarly yet practical James Madison of Virginia. Madison was the real leader of the group, which favored a strong central government. He was the chief author of the Virginia Plan and an important participant in the daily debates. Ranking second only to Madison in influence was the learned James Wilson of Pennsylvania. Another Pennsylvanian, Governor Morris, whose great talents were marred, unfortunately, by a deep-seated distrust of the common people, was chiefly responsible for the farcing of the final text of the Constitution. Other outstanding members included the eloquent, roughest king of Massachusetts, the scholarly Samuel Johnson of Connecticut, president of Columbia College, Roger Sherman, also of Connecticut, who had raised himself from the shoemaker last to the judge's bench, Edmund Randolph of Virginia, who acted as a spokesman for the delegates from the large states, and William Patterson of New Jersey, who presented the views of the delegates from the small states. Alexander Hamilton of New York played but a minor role in the proceedings of the convention, partly because he was consistently outvoted by his two colleagues from New York, both of them staunch supporters of states' rights, and partially because his plan of the strongly centralized state on the British model was too extreme to influence the convention. The most formidable critic of the proceedings of the convention was an able, if somewhat pompous, lawyer, Luther Martin of Maryland. Several prominent Americans 
did not participate in the work of the Philadelphia Convention. Thomas Jefferson was serving as minister to France, John Adams as minister to Great Britain. Three staunch champions of states' rights, Samuel Adams, Patrick Henry, and Richard Henry Lee, flatly refused to take part in any proceedings which might result in limiting the sovereignty of the states. Okay, before I give you our closing segment, I want to remind you about Avicii. Avicii is an energy and fat loss formula. It's a breakthrough nourishment. And I'll tell you, this stuff is great for you. If you're older and you need that extra kick in the afternoon, this stuff's going to take care of you all day long. It controls your appetite, gives you the energy you need, and it gets rid of that unneeded fat. It gives you a crystal clear, awake mind. There's no typical caffeine crash. I'm telling you people, you need some Avicii. It's not cheap, so you don't want to be Avicii. You need your Avicii. You want to get over to Avicii.com forward slash free circle. That is Avicii, A-V-I-A-C-H-I dot com forward slash free circle. Check this product out. You need it. I'm telling you, it will change your life. It has mine. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Free Circle Freedoms. Make sure you follow, like, and share. And join us next week when we cover procedures of the convention and plans and compromises that affected the convention. Very critical part of the formation of the Constitution of the United States, the Connecticut Compromise. We're going to hear about it next week, right here on Free Circle Freedoms. I'm Ed Waters, out. Now that you've made it this far into the episode, I know you are a freedom-loving American. Thomas Jefferson said, We in America do not have government by the majority. We have government by the majority who participate. All tyranny needs to gain a foothold is for people of good conscience to remain silent. Thomas Jefferson was a very wise man. I'm asking you to make a difference right now. I often go out and I leave pocket constitutions laying around. I order these constitutions 
You can order them at freedomfactor.org. This is not a paid advertisement. I'm asking you personally to do this. Order 100 copies for 40 bucks. It's free shipping. And you can set these constitution out wherever you go for people to pick up. I find it amazing how quick people pick these up. I go through the laundromat where they put the little books. I set these out and people are scooping them up. This is a wonderful idea to get involved to help change America in a positive way. So if you can and you can afford it, $40 for a hundred pocket constitutions is a wonderful deal. So you can get them at freedomfactor.org or you can call 1-800-388-4512. You can order these in English or Spanish. I would rather you order them in English. So James Madison wrote, A well-instructed people alone can be permanently a free people. Remember that. Let's start handing out some freedom today if you can. Ed out.